What a great joy to be back with you yet again this year, 2022. I am believing, like your pastor said, that when I leave, there will be an impartation of the anointing of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that will touch your life. I'm not only believing for an anointing that will touch you, but I'm believing for an activation that you will flow. You, so often when God pours into our life, we think it's for us. It is. It's for you, but then through you for someone else. So freely you will receive this week from the gracious, generous, outstretched arm of God. He will pour into your life, even this morning. Something is going to happen for you in you but will ultimately flow through you to someone else um, I appreciate Pastor Rick sharing on the book table may I take two seconds to mention I have a new book called How Beautiful Are the Feet this is a call to personal evangelism an activation of the saints to take the charge of the Great Commission that is not a suggestion, it is the standing orders of Jesus given to not only the apostles but to every subsequent believer. We share in the responsibility, which is not only a responsibility but a privilege, of being carriers of this message of life. How beautiful are the feet of Him who brings good news. Now, when you were born again, you became a new creation. The new creation miracle is the greatest miracle. But with that miracle comes an investment of God because He entrusts to the new creation the message of reconciliation. So with your salvation, there is a deposit of this good news into your life. This book will make it very clear. Um, at the book table, there are these bookmarks. You're welcome to pick one up whether you buy a book or not. The reason I do that is I don't read books. I read digital books. You can get all these books that are on the table in e-format, uh, EPUB for Kindle or for your iPad as well. And that QR code will take you to the website where you can get it, but you can also stick it in your Bible, use it as a bookmark. Uh, when I used to read paper, I always had bookmarks stuck in for the different readings I had, and you're welcome to pick up one or more of those. You're most welcome to those. I want to get into the Word. We've chosen the theme for this week, starting this morning, going through to Wednesday night, called Fresh Oil that He will anoint your head with fresh oil, that there is a fresh move of God. I know many of you have just attended the meetings, the joint revival meetings, and I heard of the gracious hand of God touching lives, filling lives. Well, I believe that this week there's going to just be a building on to what He has already been doing, a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Now, if you know my ministry, I have a few key core values. 
The first is that I would love everyone to be a lover of God because that is the greatest of all commandments that you would love the Lord your God with most of your heart, with some of your heart, no, with all of your heart. And I believe that if we would love God, everything that is to be found in and through you will emanate from that love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks about the force of this love. And that love, you don't have to seek for it. It's already given by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit who has been given. You already have it. What you have to do is release it. Now, when you love God, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And, and so, by loving God, we'll find a greater sense of unity within the church. And this is where I'm going to talk about today the anointing, the corporate anointing. The corporate anointing is really an outflow of God's love for us. And then our response, He loved us before we loved Him. But now, because He has arrested our lives and He has won our hearts, we love Him. And because we love Him, we choose to love one another. And so love is this great force that flows. So that's the first core value. The second core value that I have is a loyalty to the church. Today I'm going to be speaking about the corporate anointing, about the church. The church is not an organization, though there is organization. It is the body of Christ. He loves the church. When Jesus died for your sins, He not only died for you individually, but He died for us corporately because the Bible says Christ, having loved the church, gave Himself for it. And Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is His. His bride, His temple, His body, His people, His nation, His household. He loves the church. With that in mind, church isn't just a place that we go to. It's a people who we are. We are His people, His family. And so when we gather, there is a manifestation of God's glory that is in this house today, right here, right now. God, Jesus Himself is present, for He said we're two or more gathered there I am, even in your midst, He is here. You may not see Him. You may not even feel Him. I trust you will. Feelings are unreliable, but they're pretty cool when you feel and sense God. I teach we walk by faith, not by sight or by feelings. However, when you feel God and where you see Him at work, it's pretty cool. And I want to see Him and I want to feel Him, and I trust that you will today in this place. Some people have the opinion that, you know, we, the people, are the body of Christ. We are the temple, and they are totally correct. And they put no emphasis on the building at all. I believe there is something about the house, the building. And I'll mention this. When the tabernacle was presented before God, the glory or the anointing of God fell in that place. 
to the point that the priests could not even minister because God filled the tabernacle. We'll look into that a little bit today. The second thing is when the temple was dedicated, the glory of God came in and filled the temple and the people fell and they worshipped God because of the intensity of His presence. On the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house. And then fire sat on each one as they were being filled with the Spirit that filled the house. In Acts chapter 4, they prayed, and the place where they were gathered was shaken. Not just the people, the place. God's presence or God's anointing fills the house. When I was a young believer, we're talking about 47 years ago, we had a great move of God in the first church where I pastored. Uh, the best way that I can describe it is God showed up. He's always showed up. It's just we felt it. You could feel it in the atmosphere. The place was filled with the glory of the Lord. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. But there is a difference between the theological presence of God or the omnipresence of God, than the tangible manifested presence of God. Now, once that presence is felt or smelt, you can sometimes smell the glory of God, the aroma of that precious holy oil. When that manifests in the house, oh my goodness, you get in, you never want to leave. It's like, it's an amazing thing. People would drive past the building and come under the conviction of God and find themselves being attracted. I pray that for this house. Not that you're on the busiest street in town, but may the people that drive past send something of God's presence that is here, out there. A conviction, a pulling, an attraction. The first church that I ministered in in America um, was right on the edge of I-4. I-4 is one of the busiest roads in Florida and I think one of the busiest in America. And we put up this huge digital uh, sign and we would actually put the what's happening in the meeting up on the sign when people are driving past, they see people falling out under the power of God. Uh, but so, and we'd ask the visitors, was part of the process, what brought you here? So many said when they were driving past, they felt the pull of God to come to the meeting. And we grew, we exploded as a church because of the presence, the tangibility of God's presence in the house. We, was, we were quoted Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the great creatures cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is filled with His glory, and the place, the place would shake 
Well, that's exactly what happened in Acts 4. The place was shaken by the tangibility. Somehow the throne room glory entered the house as they prayed, as they worshipped, as they sought God. His glory filled the house. The same in Acts chapter 2. They gathered in one place with one accord. There was a unity. There was a gathering. There was a seeking of the heart of God. And there came a sound from heaven. Something of that throne room atmosphere filled the house. And that's what I want to speak about today, the corporate anointing. Back to the first church where I pastored. You could walk through the doors. And the atmosphere was so pregnant with miracles with the tangibility of God's presence in the house that you would bump into your miracle we were not the greatest preachers we didn't have the best worship team we were okay but we weren't the best in town but we had something unique the tangibility of that corporate anointing in the house. I was a novice preacher. I didn't have to preach well because in spite of my lack, God's glory overwhelmed the people. It was so good, so powerful, that you could virtually give announcements and people would come under the power of God. The atmosphere filled with God, the corporate anointing. If you've got your Bibles, you may read with me. I'm sure it will be placed on the screen or not. Um, it doesn't matter. I'm going to read to you from, Ex, uh, from Exodus 29 and verse 4 onwards. Exodus 29 verse 4. And Aaron, the high priest, and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put on the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put on the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put on the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, so you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. And then in... Verse 21, and you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with them. And he and his garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his sons garments with him. I know this is on the surface, it sounds very like organized religion, garments, crowns, turbans, ephods. But these are all types. 
where God would reveal through these procedures, rituals, His plan to reveal the work of Christ, the church, the anointed life, the spirit-filled life. Because notice Aaron and his sons were a perpetual priesthood representing the work of our great high priest, Jesus. But then we are also made priests and kings unto God. Therefore, they were anointed because they were looking to Jesus, the Spirit-filled high priest. But then looking through him to the church where every priest, that's us, would be sprinkled with blood and with oil. The blood cleansing us from sin, separating us from the world, from sin, from penalty and punishment. The blood is so powerful. Oh, we thank God for the cross, for the blood of that bull, that lamb that is placed upon us, sprinkling us, setting us aside from the penalty, the punishment, the power of sin. Hallelujah. Giving to us an access in righteousness that we may approach the unapproachable. But then not only were they sprinkled with blood, but with oil, the holy anointing oil, which separates them to the work. Blood separating from sin, the blood separating to the work and to the worship of God. We are both cleansed with the blood and we are separated to the work in the anointing. And then if we read down into verse 43, and there... I, God, will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. There God would meet in the glory. There is still today a glory in our meeting. What I'm about to share with you for the next 20 odd minutes is critical. I don't say that word superficially. It is critical because our church society does not know the importance of church by revelation. Most people know the importance of church by culture, tradition, and religion. We need to have a shift in our mentality that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to lay hold of the reality, not just of who Jesus is and who we are in Him, but that we would know the church by revelation. Because that will affect the way we gather. That will affect the way we worship. That will affect the way we pray. That will affect every area of our corporate life as the family of God. Go with me, if you would, also in your Bibles to Psalm 133. I read all that in preparation for this, Psalm 133. Most 
Christians who have been saved for some period of time can quote Psalm 133. It's a beautiful psalm of worship, of celebration, of unity, of anointing. Psalm 133. Behold. The word behold means to gaze upon with an intensity to not just see it, but to grab the full implications of what you see. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Thereby speaking of the gathering for the feasts, the worship, the celebration in Israel, but now pointing to us today in 2022 as the church. This is just as much real as it was for Israel as it is today for us in the church. May I say it again, for us as the believers, behold how good and how pleasant it is for us as brethren to dwell together in unity. This is God's design. Just like the great Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Jesus prayed that we, the believers, would be one. Just as He and the Father are one, He wants us to be one in our unity because in our unity there is great force and power and presence. Our unity creates an atmosphere for corporate anointing. They were with one accord in one place. Acts 4, they were in one accord in one place. They lifted their voices. When we get to the place of unity, there is a change in the atmosphere. The intensity of the ever-present one somehow accelerates, changes, and touches our lives. This place of unity, this dwelling, which is important when you think of church. It's not just a place that we go. It's a people who we are and we dwell together in this unity. It is this unity, this good and pleasant atmosphere. It is like the precious oil upon the head. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. We just read about the sons were sprinkled with oil, but Aaron, the oil was poured to the point that it would run down his head, through his beard, onto his garments, to the very edge of his garments. Let's read that. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Aaron, the high priest, Jesus began his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. The anointing on our high priest, Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, is typified in running down the beard, the garments of Aaron, but it is really a picture beyond Aaron, Israel, to the church, the anointed life, the anointed corporate life. We are anointed individually in being filled with the Spirit, but we are anointed corporately in our manifest gathering in the glory of God. 
running down on the edge of his garments. This is critical. Everything I say is critical. <laughs> but this is critical. The same oil on the head is the oil that goes right to the edge of the garment. When it gets to the edge of the garment, it is not an inferior diluted oil. It's the same oil that was on the head. Why is that critical, Leon? Let me tell you why it is critical. Because we are not the recipients of a diluted Holy Spirit. We are not the recipients of some different anointing that the head got that we don't get. What was on the head, Jesus, is what gets to the edge of His garment. Hallelujah. The holy, precious, anointing oil that was not to be used for anything common, ordinary. It is exclusive because it speaks of the Spirit-filled life as individuals and it speaks of our corporate anointing in the glory of God. The whole garment was saturated in the oil. When we gather as the church, the whole garment is saturated in the same oil that was poured on the head. It is like the dew of Hermon. Descending upon the mountains of Zion, he switches from the anointing oil on Aaron and he says, just as you walk out and you see the entire range saturated in the dew, which brings the, the, makes this typical dry area so lush, so fruitful, because it is the dew that waters and produces the fruitfulness it is like this fruitful place where we are drenched in the morning dew. Hallelujah. When you go out in the dew, your car is saturated. The grass is saturated. The road is saturated. The dew misses no place. For there, where? In that place of unity in that place of worship, in that place of what? Corporate anointing. For there, the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. Hallelujah. So God, we pray today that our hearts would be awakened to understand the importance of the corporate anointing, the tangibility of your presence when we gather as the church. That place of commanded blessing, that place of fruitfulness, that place of spirit-filled life. Hallelujah. Our gatherings together, not just some ritualistic routine, but it's a place and a people that we come to enter in to His presence. I read in the Bible, you shall go out with joy. But how should you come in? You should come in in faith. 
you should come in with expectation. You should come in with an awareness that we are standing on holy ground. That there are not only angels all around, but there's one who is higher than all the angels, and his name is Jesus. That when we come in, we should understand we're coming into a time of worship, a time of prayer, a time of training, teaching, catching vision. But even more than that, we're coming into an anointing. Because He is here. When I talk about the importance of church, I'm not talking legalistically, ritualistically, but I'm talking about a passion. It's a love that we have for Him. And for one another. In the early church, they gathered every day. We gather Sunday mornings, maybe a midweek prayer meeting, some special events. The early church met daily last night. Pastor was mentioning in times of special outpourings and revival, meetings will go for eight, ten weeks. Not just from seven till nine, seven till one in the morning, <laughs> you know. And then people go to work all day. They rush home, they eat, they rush to church. They wouldn't miss it for anything. Why? Because there is a corporate anointing. When you eventually have to close the building, there's still people like doing carpet time, having to get designated drivers to get home and they feel like wow it's one o'clock in the morning and it feels like we've just begun the early church when they met daily houses and in the uh, um, the porch solomon's porch they weren't there under duress they weren't there legalistically they were there born in desire and I will guarantee you this, when you were first truly born again, not just some casual little decision, when you are born again, you want to be in church, you want to be in prayer, you want to be in the Word, you want to share your story with someone else, am I right? You didn't have to. You wanted to. You see, religion says you have to. Love says, I want to. I was glad, not mad, when I went to the house of the Lord. I was expectant. I was pregnant in hope and vision for something tangible to take place, some change, some growth, some expansion, some fresh touch coming upon my life. I wasn't there under duress. I wasn't there out of fear of punishment. I was there because I love Him. And because He's in the house. I believe our gathering together is essential as the church. You say, well, 
Leon, today you're preaching to the choir. We are here. Why are you telling us we should be here? We are here. Because I have learned that you could be here today and away tomorrow. One offense, one being lured away by some temporal pleasure, some demonic inspired lure to pull you away from the spirit-filled life, from the victorious life, from the abundant life, and from the corporate life. We all know, and I was here soon after COVID had virtually shut down the church. You'll remember we were spaced, masks, I couldn't lay hands. I had to walk, releasing the anointing that way. We didn't even take up offerings. I think from what I understand, it's the first time today, it's three years later, we're taking up an offering in a basket because we wanted no contamination, no touching, which is very foreign for us because we hug, we shake hands, we, we greet one another with a holy kiss. We're a close-knit society. It was a very foreign concept. We couldn't join hands and join faith and worship in that way we we were trying to as much as laid possible protect people and obey the laws of the land that were being put upon us but that time had a devastating effect upon the church because it should have pushed us to a deeper walk with God wanting a revival that would bring healing, manifestation, and power. But somehow, people became very lazy concerning church because it was now pushed through the internet into their homes. And we raised up a generation of pajama Christians. They didn't have to get out of bed. They could lie in bed and drink their coffee and worship God if they wanted to or be totally neutral. They disengaged, and now that it's over, guess what? Over 40% of the church, talking broad stroke, not here, just broad stroke, has not returned to church. They've returned to Walmart. They've returned to Tajay. They've returned to work. They've returned to their doctors, to their lawyers, to their birthday parties. I was in a birthday party the other day and they brought a cake and put candles and they blew out the candles. I was like, ha, ah, we don't blow out candles anymore. We put electrical candles with a Bluetooth connection and we switch it off and then we sing happy birthday. I'm not afraid of contagious diseases. I've lived and grew up in Africa where there is TB all over the place. Contagious diseases in the African church. When you come to church, they form a line and everyone shakes hands from the front to the back. And then they may do it two or three times. They shake hands every spare moment. They love shaking hands. And there's no bathroom with hot running water 
you grow up in that environment, you you don't care. But suddenly COVID heightened anything, everything, and now people have become spiritual recluses. They don't realize the importance of our gathering together. They don't realize the importance of the corporate anointing. It's kind of like, hey, I made it through COVID without going to church. I don't think I'll go back. They lost that love for the corporate gathering, that sense of the atmosphere of God in the house. Sadly, and I say this without criticism, just an observation, having been in full-time ministry almost 50 years, I've been around the mountain a little bit, I've been in thousands of meetings. Often we have Sunday morning attendees who will never come to special meetings, prayer meetings, Bible studies, outreaches. They are just strictly Sunday morning Christians. Which I understand because many of them come from a traditional, historic church lifestyle where they went to mass they went to weddings funerals christmas and easter celebrations there was no expectation for any more and that means that when they were born again they never relinquished the poor christian traditions that have played down the importance of the corporate gathering they never came into a revelation of how important our gathering was, which the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost knew. Because they were not commanded by the apostles, you must attend. They wanted to attend. The other day I received a little note entitled good reasons to stay away from church gives four i'm sure we can come up with many others as well number one christians are hypocrites someone will let you down and at times they're also pretty unfriendly people number two the preacher will take your money number three you have other important things to do like watch tv sleep play games Quality family time as you each do your own thing in different activities. And number four, it's just a religion. You can find God at home, out fishing, or even playing golf. Affectionately yours, Satan. When I got that note, I decided I'll check with Google, because Google knows everything. So I asked Google, this is my question, what makes people not go to church? I could have also put, who makes people not go to church, but what? Yeah, big tech knows everything about you already. And it's gathered all these analytics. So this is what Google said. You can put the same search in, you'll find that it's, Exactly what I copied and pasted it in. 20% say they dislike sermons. 
hey, I want to be honest with you. I'm a preacher. Even I dislike my sermons sometimes. I go, why did I say that? It came out so wrong. Wasn't what I wanted to say. I know we're not always hotshot preachers. But trusting that when we do preach, we speak the oracles of God in spite of our personalities, our distractions, our little bunny trails that we get on, the holes that we dig and we can't get back out. 11% say they do not feel welcome at religious services. That's sad. We should be a friendly people, a happy people. 26% cite logistical reasons for not going to services, such as not having the time. That's a logistical thing, not having the time. Or being in poor health. Incidentally, if you add up the 2011 and 26, that leaves another 43% that they don't address in Google. I have an idea where the other 43% are. Who are they? They are the lukewarm. They're the ones that have left their first love. They have backslidden and gone back to their previous manner of life. They are the offended the tempted, the disappointed, the critical. Now, you'll hear me say this often throughout my ministry in life. You are the custodian of the fireplace of your heart. People will let you down. Preachers will let you down. Church is not the ultimate solution for everything in your life. It's a place where we gather to meet God. Churches have programs. You have a ladies' program, a men's program, a youth program, a children. Programs don't meet everyone's needs and expectations. They are places and times when we gather with specific focus. It's not a cure-all. In spite of what the church cannot do for you, And what can go wrong in the church, it is still important because you are the custodian of the fireplace of your heart. If someone lets you down, the Bible says, forgive them, especially if you want to be forgiven. And it's amazing how many people are offended and not forgiving. And then they stay away from church because someone didn't greet them, someone didn't recognize them, someone didn't thank them, and they're gone. so easily offended, lured away by Satan, falling into temptation. Well, the truth is, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, none of us would be found righteous. If you fail, you can come back. There is a mediator. His name is Jesus. The blood will cleanse you from all sin. That doesn't give you license to sin, but is an invitation not to back off because you failed. Staggering numbers are forsaking the assembling together because they think it's just a meeting. It's not. It's an encounter with God. It's a corporate anointing that gets upon your life. Sadly, I 
I've come to the end of my time. However, the good news is we've got till Wednesday. But I wanted to start this morning with the importance of the corporate anointing, the unity. And, and I'll tell you why it's important, because I believe this week and every meeting is important, critical, vital, important. We must be intentional about our gatherings together, focused, aware of what and why we are gathering. We're not just gathering to show up. We are gathering to have an encounter with God. I believe in the atmosphere of unity, in the atmosphere of expectation, in the atmosphere of faith, there we can experience God's tangible touch. Hallelujah. And for me this week till Wednesday that I'm here, I'm going to come and give you the best that God has put upon my life. I do carry an anointing that is transferable, that can be released. When I came to America, God told me, I want you to lay hands and impart to the people. I've done that faithfully. I don't do it every single meeting because sometimes I build faith and there, but always on the last night, even in COVID, we couldn't lay hands, but I had people stand and I walked down the rows releasing, as it were, the anointing because I want people to come under the touch of God. This week, your pastors asked me specifically to lay hands and impart to you the touch of God. And I've come prepared for that. I've just finished 12 or 13 meetings in Connecticut where God showed up in a, He always shows up. But I did do, I know it's, it's Christianese. One day I was praying, I said, God, would you please show up? He said, I'm always there, Leon, but will my people show up? He said, if they draw near to me, I will draw near to them. If they come, I will be found. They will experience me. You never have to doubt the reality that I'm there. But somehow, he said to me, you need to persuade them to get there. And so I'm being faithful to that time when I said, God, please show up. God showed up in Connecticut. The young people were just, powerfully touched, saturated. The best way that I can explain it is they were God intoxicated. They were filled with such joy. People that had never been touched by God, even skeptics, were touched. There were about six, that, and I've been going to that church 28 years, so I know everybody. There were six New ladies that I'd never seen ever before, and there were many others. But these six stood out to me because they weren't always sitting together. There were two and two and two. But when they came forward, they, I could see that they'd never been in a meeting like those. Their eyes were like a deer in the headlight look, you know. Ah, the light, the light, the light. But the power of God just rocked them. Even one of the meetings, 
I said to the people, stand and receive. And I walked past her and I said, in the name of Jesus. And she just went shooting back into her chair. And ah, she's never experienced that before. I asked her, she said, I've never fallen under the power. Never had hands laid upon me. Religion doesn't do that. But we're not religious. We have a relationship with God. And we are going to lay hands on you. Pray for you. Believe God to touch you. Refresh you. Fill you and anoint your head with fresh oil. Hallelujah. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray and I'm going to hand over to Pastor. Believe in God for your life today. Hallelujah. How many of you were stirred in the word? You just felt a challenge in your heart. Anyone here feel the challenge of God through this word? Praise the Lord. Our gathering together is not ritualistic. It's not just a good Christian habit. It is life-giving. And I want to release life into you today that your heart would be warmed in the atmosphere of the corporate anointing, pulling you higher, deeper, further than you've ever been before. Let's lift up holy hands for a moment without wrath and without doubting. Thank you, God, for your people in this house. Thank you for a gathering together in faith and expectation. And, oh God, as we begin these few days of meetings, I'm asking that you would visit and touch each life, each home represented here, that something of the glory of heaven that fills the, the throne room, would enter this room. That, oh God, the glory that filled the upper room would fill this room. Not only this room, but the room of our hearts. Touch your people, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before Pastor Rick comes, one more last thing. Set spiritual goals for this week. Don't just come passive and indifferent. Set some spiritual goals, what you want. If you expect nothing, guess what? You're probably going to get nothing. But if you ask, if you seek, you will receive, you will find. Set some expectations for your life, for your spiritual growth, for your anointed life to go higher and deeper. And with that, thank you, Pastor Rick.